Hey guys, TJ here, sharing some reflections from the last six years or so of doing life coaching professionally. This will apply for you whether you have you know any interest in life coaching or not, or you've just been curious about you know what that journey has been like, um, or how you navigate transition. It it has lessons that are applicable for anybody, whether you're starting something new, changing paths. Um, thinking about what you'd do with your life if you did change paths, thinking about how you grow a business, how you um, navigate personal identity uh, and and just the actual process with God and what that looks like. So I'm speaking to a lot of different things here, very much, um, I mean, the process for me, I just wanted to write down some bullet points of thoughts that came to mind of reflections from my journey. And so I'm, I'm just sharing as I talk through some of these bullet points, I think that you'll find it to be um, very conversational as usual. Um, but I'm, a, I'm actually just having the conversation with myself in this episode. But I hope that uh, I hope that if you benefit, you'll share it with somebody else. So thanks very much for listening. I appreciate you. But I wanted to talk a little bit tonight just about the the process and journey of uh, you know, what I've learned the last, I don't know, call it been about six years I say six years but you know give or take a few months um, doing life coaching professionally and um, yeah I, I, when I sent out a message to everybody I was saying you know this is what we're going to be talking about tonight reflections on the last six years of life coaching and a common question you know you and I will get when we're out um, meeting somebody for the first time just making conversation is you know what do you do for work. And, um, and for me, that's a very, uh, it's a very interesting conversation that can, that can happen from that. I remember when I first started doing life coaching, there's a whole identity transformation that happens. And, um, you know, for me, where I came from, what you did for work was a huge part of, of your success. And when I left a well-known name brand company and started navigating my own professional journey on my own and decided I was going to start doing life coaching, uh, there was a lot of um, hesitancy in my response. You know, it would be like, what do you do for work? I'd be like, uh, I'm not really, I, well... I'm transitioning and and so it took me a long time to be able to answer I do a lot I do life coaching and um, it's funny because then the next question that's normally asked is oh nice um, so how long you been doing that for and I don't remember when this happened but I remember uh, just it coming out of my mouth one day I, I said about you know, at the time I must have been 30 years old, about 30 years. And, you know, the person's response or their reaction was, wow. And then they were like, wait, how old are you? And, uh, and I was like, well, I'm about 30 years old, but you know, I've been doing this my whole life. This is something I've been doing my entire life. And, um, and then of course the question is, oh yeah, that 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 makes sense. And like, how long have you been doing it? 
you know, professionally for work. And then you get into those questions. But, you know, for me, um, it's funny how long it took me to say like, oh, I, I'm doing life coaching for work. But then when I thought about it, I was like, this is something I've been doing my entire life. And, um, and I think for people who start doing work that is so natural to them that it doesn't even really feel like working. Um, I think for people who are making that transition, it can be very unnatural to say like, this is something new for you. But I think it's also a good sign or a signal. It's like, man, that's just a part of who you are. And if you get to do that for work, that's an amazing opportunity. And um, for a lot of us, you know, we're not going to be able to fit into a particular box. Uh, we're not going to be able to fit into a particular category or understanding of what people's um, you know, idea of a professional career or path looks like. And I think, well, that's more accepted now. I mean, that wasn't and hasn't been accepted for, for until the last maybe five years or so, um, 10 years, maybe. And, um, and so for me, when it, when it comes to the whole life coaching thing, that's, that's something I just wanted to talk about because I've been, um, I've learned so much in the last six years of, of actually doing this full time. And I think there's just a lot to be shared a, a lot to, uh, a lot to pass on a lot, um, a lot of lessons learned. So I wrote down a few notes and, um, I just wanted to walk through some of those notes, but if you guys have any questions, if you're watching live and you have any questions, um, and you want to leave those in the comments, that's great because I can answer those questions, uh, as I see them. So the whole, thing around like, how do you even get started in life coaching? How did that happen? Um, that's a common question that, uh, that people have, especially people who are interested in life coaching, but also people who are just curious about, you know, background and context for me and, um, what that journey looked like. And for me, it was really kind of simple. The question is like, if you had a blank slate with your life, what would you do with it? And for me, I was at a time in my life where I was actually kind of given a blank slate. It was like, hey, there's nothing uh, stopping you from making really any choice of what you do with your life, personally, professionally. And um, I, I had kind of gone through the like elimination game where coming out of college, I had done uh, several internships, one with a, with a government-associated entity, um, another with a, a government contractor, another with a different government contractor doing two, two different things. Um, and then I, I worked at a big bank for a summer, and that's where I ended up uh, starting my career. And so I had all these different experiences and different places, too, and I started realizing through process of elimination, okay, I'm not really made for this. I'm not really made for this. I'm not really made for this. This is kind of nice about it, but 
that's not really me. This is kind of me, but there's something that's not right here. Um, and what I would ultimately learn as my relationship with the Lord was growing over years of me just being hungry for whatever I'm not getting through trying to find my worth and um, validation in my life, acceptance, approval, whatever you want to call it, success through work and what I do. And um, what would end up happening is I realized that the thing that wasn't right was me, what's inside. And I didn't have words for it at the time, but the Lord was so gracious and so kind. And he just allowed me to have the choice you know, he gave me peace. And I think that's really the key to make the choice to leave kind of the, the traditional corporate, like this is the path, uh, to success road. And if you, uh, follow this path, you know, life is a success. He gave me peace without understanding all of the things I needed to understand. He just gave me peace laying that down saying, TJ, it's, your choice. You don't have to be here on this path. There's nothing wrong with this path, but you don't have to do this. There's another path that's available for you. I just had no idea what that path was. So it was just a clean slate. I had a clean slate in my life and I go, well, I have a clean slate. I have no idea what I'm going to do. I've checked off all these things in terms of exploring them. I, I remember I did an externship with the secret service. I was interested in immigration's customs enforcement. Um, was interested in going clandestine for a while. There's there's a whole list of things that I kind of pursued, was navigating. And, um, and ultimately, as I went through these different opportunities in my life, I kind of came to the conclusion. I was like, I think I'm, I think I'm meant to do just kind of an unconventional thing, but I don't know what that looks like. And so as I had that blank slate, and I think this is important for people who are maybe on that um, path trying to figure out like, well, what would I do with my life if I had a blank slate, even if it's not right now? Um, for me, what worked, this is what worked for me is I went back and kind of navigated. I was like, what do I, what have I always come back to? Like what, what has always interested me? And what I didn't have discernment of back then was the difference between, uh, the flesh and the spirit. And I'll talk about that in a second. But both of those things, even in the flesh and the spirit, they can both point to uh, the same thing. When you when you look back on your life, and you what I mean by that is you look back at problematic patterns, it can point you to uh, something that can be redeemed and and reveal something about you, the direction for your life, uh, what you, who you are and what you're made to do. Even if it's a problematic pattern, the problematic patterns are still a signal of something about you and God can redeem that. So I'll get to that in a second. But then there were these other things that were just more clear to me, like, like they were positive patterns and things I did naturally. So blank slate, what do you do with your life? And I was thinking about things I did naturally. I was like, well, I love helping people. You know, I, I remember coming out of college in between starting my job full time and leaving college. I was helping uh, students in college 
figure out how to put a resume together and to get a job um, going through the interview process just because I had done that. And I knew like the steps and process and the network and I knew all of that. And I was like, well, this is a very natural thing for me to do for people. So uh, I kind of like put up a sign saying this is this is what I'm going to do. And I started a I think a brand or something on Skillshare, a class on Skillshare at the time. I don't know if Skillshare is still around, but it was essentially like, hey, I offer something. And if you're looking for that something, I can help you and you can pay me a little bit of money. So it's just a platform to exchange services for payment. And um, and I remember getting connected to a few people. And what ended up happening is during those conversations, I didn't really care about resumes. I didn't care about you know, the job that they were going after. I cared about like who they are as a person and whether or not they could convey the most authentic version of themselves in that interview process and all of that. And so that was before I started my full-time job. I was just kind of in the six month waiting period. And I was like, what am I going to do with my time? I did that. I, um, I decided to create websites and I remember there was a, uh, there was a, a restaurant that I went to that I really liked and they had a terrible website at the time. And I just say terrible from a functionality standpoint, I'm not a web designer, I'm not a graphic designer, but I just thought, wow, I mean, like if they just improve their website, like 5%, they'd probably improve their revenue, like 50% from anybody who wants to order online. This is before we had all of the online ordering platforms. People were typically going to a website or a restaurant. So, uh, I, actually then hired, um, well, I took my resume to the restaurant owner. I said, I love going here. I love, I love eating at this place. And here's my experience. I did finance, I did marketing in college, and I'm working at this company once I start in the summer. But in the meantime, I've got all this experience and background, which I had none. And, um, and I mean, I was sharing just authentically, like I've got this college experience and background. And I was like, I love to build a website and here's why I think it's a good idea and blah, blah, blah. And here's what I price it at. So they, they agreed and um, I ended up building this website by I, I mean, I hired a guy, I think he was in Egypt at the time and we would talk, it was like, I don't know what time uh, Eastern for me and I'd be up at either really early or really late on the phone on Skype with this guy helping him navigate how to create this website for this person and their business. And, uh, and I thought, wow, okay, so those are a couple of things that I gravitate to. And then um, the the other thing that I gravitated towards was cards. I I played um, I'd played cards, and this goes back to the problematic patterns. I'd played cards since I was like 12 years old, and uh, with varying degrees of success in my teens, um, and but into my 20s, I actually like was getting good and could sit down and make money, um, and you know, that was a problematic pattern in my life, but it was also something that was a signal to me. And so I, sh I share all that to say, you know, I, I just kind of quickly, as I left my job, had a clean slate and was figuring out what to do with my life. I just kind of quickly thought back and was like, what are the things that keep recurring? And I always love helping people out, helping them navigate big decisions. I was always that person. I remember friends would come over, grab a you know, a fold out chair and we'd sit in the front yard and talk about life and direction and purpose, meaning all of those things. And, um, as like 15, 16 year olds. 
And so I thought, well, those are things that I really enjoy and things that come naturally to me. And then I also thought, well, and I also gravitate towards making money. And like I said, there was a problematic pattern there. Um, I'll call it the flesh in some examples that I'll go through in a minute, but it's still pointed to just a natural uh, part of who I am, which is I'm, I'm made to be commercial. I'm made to be somebody who thinks about how do you make money? And um, it took me a long time to accept that, but um, I'm grateful that God gave me kind of the grace to actually lay that desire down so that I could really work on um, the other things that needed to be a foundation for me in my life. And so I say all that to say I come to this point where I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have opportunity, very little responsibility, and I had some money. I thought, well, I want to help other people. Now that brings me to my next point. So I remember thinking, you know, as I was kind of um, looking into different opportunities, it was how do I make money and how do I help people? Those are really the two kind of questions that I had for myself. And um, I thought to myself at some point, I was like, I want to be a life coach. And let me tell you what that actually means, because this is the, you know, what we're talking about, the reflections from my last six years of doing life coaching professionally and for, you know, full time. What that actually means, when somebody says, I want to be a life coach, what that actually means is that they've maybe for the first time, and I, I can't say this is true for everybody, but I'd say it's true for a lot of people who either come to me saying it, uh, or as I look back on my own journey, they've come to the realization of certain things in their life that need to change, and they want to help other people with the changes they need to make for themselves. That's actually what uh, I want to be a life coach means. And um, I would say not for everybody, but in many cases, it's the realization of like, wow, I've made a positive change in my life, but I've realized there's so many other things I need to change. I want to help everybody else do that. But like, you still got to go through that, you know? And um, so that that is the practical. Um, and that leads me to the next kind of reflection that I just wrote down, which was the hardest part of the journey. And the hardest part of the journey of, of doing life coaching for me is to do it with any integrity. You got to actually live a changed life. Like that has been, and I think is the hardest part of the whole thing of the whole thing is you actually have to live the change and change takes time. Like real change, sustained change takes time. So this is not, this is not like super easy, you know? Um, and for me, the thing that kept coming up was like, you know, I don't know exactly what I need to change, but I, but I know that something needs to change. And so in the process of working on myself, how do I help anyone else? How do I help anybody else? And that's where imposter syndrome can kind of kick in. And, uh, and something that really helped me, and I hope this will help anybody who's listening, just as one of my reflections is nobody is an expert, a true expert. I mean, it's very rare if anyone is, and if they are, it's probably very rare that, that they'll hold that position of being the expert in the world for a period of time because, uh, for a long period of time, because there's always somebody who's going to know something more than you. And so this concept of relative expertise really helped me, which is, um, 
I can know more about how to walk somebody through the process of uh, finding a job and getting through the interview process and securing that job for maximum alignment. You know, I can be really great at that, but I can be terrible at helping somebody walk through their emotional wounding. Um, and you know, there's in, in both cases though, you know, for as good as I can be helping somebody get the job that's fully aligned with who they are and, and, and all of the check boxes, et cetera. Uh, there's always going to be somebody who maybe knows a little bit more and, and and can do that a little bit better. And then for as bad as I am at helping somebody navigate enmeshment in their family and how to unwind some of that, there's probably somebody else who just doesn't even know what that is. And so maybe I have some relative expertise to that person. And it's just recognizing especially when it comes to this idea of an imposter syndrome, anybody who's starting anything, starting something, you got to remember that there's always somebody who knows more than you. And there's always somebody who knows less than you about that particular thing, that particular subject, whether it's um, life coaching or whether it's something else, there's always going to be somebody ahead and behind you. And you have relative expertise compared to the person who's behind you. And so if you start realizing you're helping people who are ahead of you, maybe you either have to catch up real quick and get a step ahead, or maybe you're on the wrong, uh, focused on the wrong topic of things that you can be helping people on. So that's just a little nugget, something that's been really helpful to me. But I want to quickly talk about um, just the idea of like living that changed life as, as you go through that. Um, something that's been highlighted to me as I've been reading through Galatians, uh, and I say reading through, I've actually just been listening. And I say that so that people understand, like, you can listen to the Bible. You don't have to just sit there and read it all the time. I think it's important to understand how to have flexibility in the way that you receive. Um, that's a definite life reflection, not just of the last six years, but um, I've been listening to Galatians and Galatians chapter 5, 18 through 25 says, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. And this is, this is back to my comment about, um, this is back to my comment about problematic patterns versus maybe more positive patterns and how they can actually both lead you to something when you're thinking about, you know, who you are, what you do, what you do naturally, what you gravitate to, um, just helpful. Okay. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, or those who are led by the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there's no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And this, this for me, was so important um, in understanding, which is uh, there's a battle between uh, flesh and spirit. Flesh is the remnant of sin in our lives. Spirit is uh, is righteousness, peace, and uh, and it's it's the 
battle is being, am I, are my decisions of my mind being led by the flesh or are they being led by Holy Spirit? And you'll know the difference based on the fruit of your life or the outcomes and in, of what's inside. You know, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, these are the things in which we find um, the overflow. This, these are signs of the overflow of being led by the Spirit. But in the other things, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. These are, um, this is evidence. This is, this is evidence that, uh, that you're being led by the flesh, that your mind is overcome by the flesh. And so again, flesh is remnant of sin in your life. And we're talking about how you can know the difference of what's inside by the fruit of your life or the results in your life. And for me, I, I lived my life for a long time with good results on the outside, but no peace inside. So, you know, what does that tell you? I, I, I may have, I may not have been living by the spirit, so to speak. Right. And, um, and so very loud motorcycle. I got distracted momentarily. And so I may have not been living by the spirit. And when it comes to understanding like, okay, well, how do I do this? Like, Lord, how do I live a changed life? It's not about, for me, it wasn't about like life coaching. It was about actually being led by God. That's what was happening. Like I was being led by God to live a different life or live differently. And it just so happened to be also a different life. I mean, professionally and a number of other things. And I was trying to navigate this whole journey. And I was like, well, anything that I was doing that led me or that showed that I was living by the flesh, I got to throw that away. And so I come back, I'm coming back to that um, idea of problematic patterns, because for example, somebody, let's just take, we were going to have somebody on tonight. I think we're going to do it later, but um, they had to, to switch because they weren't feeling well, but we were going to have somebody talk about witchcraft tonight. And so the idea of witchcraft, it's like, well, I, I can't have anything to do with the supernatural because I've been involved in witchcraft. And, um, I don't, you know, the Lord says, like, I don't, I don't want to be involved. Uh, the Lord says what he says about witchcraft and I don't want to be involved with it because of what he says. So I can't have anything to do with supernatural. And what you're doing is you're throwing the baby, baby out with the bathwater. And so those problematic patterns, the things that you're gravitating towards in your life that um, may have not created good fruit in your life, like, for example, maybe witchcraft or selfish ambition or whatever it might be. Witchcraft's a, a, one example. For me, it wasn't witchcraft. It was selfish ambition um, and, and maybe even the, the desire to make money in it from an unhealthy place. You know, for me, those things were signals of something, but I kind of threw them away because I was like, ah, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to have that part of me uh, as I grow on my journey. I don't want to have that part of me. And I, I say like the hardest part of the journey for me in, in the last six years, seven years really of, uh, of living a changed life has not been so much about like the things I had to get rid of. It's it's actually discerning, deciding about the things that I needed to keep um, and how to kind of uh, recognize when 
there are parts of me that God created that just were a little bit twisted in terms of how they were cultivated. So for example, like a desire to make money is actually not a bad thing, but how that desire was cultivated was a little bit twisted and having money bondage was uh, very unhealthy. And so it was kind of unraveling all of that and realizing, oh, like when I was 12 years old and playing cards and how I was gravitating towards that uh, through, through, you know, into my mid twenties, it was like, when I was doing that, it's, it's not that like, I have to completely cut off everything that was a part of me in that it's like, what was actually healthy God? What was the original design there? What was, what, what is, uh, what is pure in that? You know, if, if you're going to sit down and have, um, have dinner with sinners, like what you got to see something pure in me, Lord, like what is pure in me and going through the process and the journey of like really cutting off a lot of stuff from my life and a lot of pieces of who I am only to realize like, actually, for example, like I like being healthy. I like, um, having movement. I like going to the gym, all of that, but like the way that that happened for so long was very unhealthy and I was beating my body up and I didn't understand how my body worked. And I didn't understand that, you know, you can't go to the gym doing hit workouts and then under eat, under sleep and expect your body to recover properly. Like that's not good for you. And, uh, you're just beating yourself up. Like there's other ways to work out when, for example, you're not sleeping well, or you're not getting enough sleep because you have a demanding job, or for example, you know, you, um, have different demands on your body because of whatever, you know, nutritional deficiencies. It's like, I didn't understand how my body worked. So I had to go back to the drawing board and learn you know, that it's okay to work out. Uh, cause for a long time I was like, I'm done with all of that. Like I'm, I would run, but I'd only did it just so I could still survive. And, uh, and I just was not, I was not happy in my life. And I, I was tired of taking it out of my body. I was tired of the negative voices in my head whenever I would go work out. And so I just kind of like eliminated that from, from my life, but I was like, no, I'm actually, I'm a person who's made to be active and I've been active my whole life. And, um, that's something that I really enjoy, but maybe I need to think about doing that differently. And the same was true with money. I needed to think about money differently. So the hardest part for me on this journey has been learning how to live a changed life and how to do that with integrity, recognizing that there's still imperfection, you know, there's still things that like, I won't get right there's things that for a season, maybe God's like, Hey, I don't want you to get near alcohol at all. Like, I don't want you to get near that. And people might judge you for that. And I didn't know this, but people judge you for that. <laughs> and, um, and they can perceive you as judging them because of your decisions. And I'm like, wow, I didn't realize that. Um, but that happens. And it's not about what I've realized and what I've learned is that it's, it's not about, or it's less about what other people see and perceive. It's more about you being obedient to what God does says as he leads. And, um, and so, you know, for me, learning how to grow and live a changed life has really 
happened through uh, me developing a personal relationship with the Lord, a personal relationship with Jesus. And, uh, and it's hard for people because, uh, and it's hard for me, but it's hard for people to, to do this, uh, to live a changed life, especially when they've grown up a certain way. Um, and then they go through that process of actually being changed and transformed through the renewal of your mind. It's really hard, I think, and uh, because there's a standard that God has Himself, which is perfection. That's He is perfect, but we're not. We're not actually asked to be per- like He doesn't ask us to be perfect. That's the law. The perfection is the law, and we actually all fall short of the law, and um, and so that's why Jesus came, died, and is resurrected is because He came to take the wrath, the the anger, the punishment for our sin of us all falling short. And for you to actually understand that and not use freedom to do whatever you want, that's a, that's a very difficult thing to do. Um, so that journey for me is really, that's been the hard part, I think, more than anything around life coaching. It's like, well, I want to live my life with integrity. And what does that look like? Not being perfect. Okay, but does that mean that you know, you get a free pass. No, it's, it's that you're just growing and learning and, and recognizing that some people won't understand, um, some of the decisions that you're making. But what I've learned is always helpful is knowing in your heart, having people in place in your life, um, that aren't afraid to challenge you, but knowing in your heart that you are always open to being challenged and corrected by God first, and that people that are the closest to you in your life that you've given authority to can also um, challenge and correct you. Those are really important keys, I think, that have helped me um, just grow and live with a little bit of integrity. I say a little bit, I mean, as much as possible. Uh, Let's talk about a couple other things in terms of reflections. And by the way, if you guys are listening and have any questions, I'm more than happy to answer. We're talking about reflections over the last six years of, of life coaching professionally. And I've just been sharing some just stream of consciousness thoughts from some notes I took about my journey. Um, but you can leave your questions in the comments. If you're watching on YouTube, I'd appreciate it. If you guys, um, hit like subscribe, if you appreciate these live streams, it's really helpful for other people to know that they're available. Now, the next thing that I wanted to mention as far as like, um, just a, just an honest reflection for me is the, um, the idea of knowing your lane, knowing your lane. And it's really hard, you know, like a a lot of people want to give advice about how to do something when you start anything. Uh, and sometimes you're looking for the advice and sometimes you're not. Um, knowing your lane is definitely something that's mentioned often, but, you know, I think it, I think it's really interesting to think about the idea of, you know, if, if, if you don't know who you are, how do you know your lane? Like if, if you don't know who you are, how in the world do you know your lane? And this is where the idea of, of grace space for yourself needs to come into play. 
whether it's a, a new job you're in, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a business you're starting, whether it's whatever it is, um, even, you know, if you just got married, like this, this applies, trying to know your lane starts with knowing who you are and how God made you, what you're good at, what you're not good at, what's, um, what's authentic and natural for you, what's not. And you're going to make mistakes. And I think a lot of people struggle with the idea of knowing their lane in anything um, because either one on one side, they want approval and acceptance. So they'll strive and go outside their lane just to get attention. Um, or two, they actually just don't know what is their lane. And so they won't um, have any understanding as far as uh, what is kind of like out of bounds versus what makes sense for them. So let me give you a practical example. For me, something simple is, uh, is online marketing. That became very clear to me that um, I'm just not an online marketing person. I'm not like this megaphone person. Um, some people are, but over the years, it became super, super clear to me that that's just not who I am and that's not my lane. And I've tried that lane and it doesn't work uh, for me. And so, you know, people will, in the life coaching world, people will want to tell you, you're a great coach, but you don't have the realization that the rest of the world needs to know who you are if you're going to ever make an impact. And I was like, that's just not God. <laughs> like there may be a principle there that I can follow, but for me, like I had this realization with the Lord, and this goes back to how I was navigating living a changed life. The Lord was like, TJ, you've had this idea of like reaching millions and all of that. He's like, what if you just reached one? Would that be enough? And I was like, I, I guess maybe is that enough? But I have other needs, like is one enough financially in this example? You know, if that's what I'm doing for work full time. And he wasn't asking any of those questions. He was just asking me, TJ, if you just reached one, would that be enough? And he was just testing my contentment. He was just testing my contentment, right? And I think that's super important because, um, Narda said that's deep. I think that's super important because in anything that we're doing, like the idea, the culture that we live in, at least if you're like me, kind of what you grew up with and the drive inside of you, more, 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 bigger, 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 faster, faster, faster. And it's like, actually, what if it's not? What if it's smaller, simpler, slower? And what if that's not who you are, bigger, faster, um, scaling, all of that. Like, what if it's just so much simpler? What if it's just that one person? And what if that one person has a massive ripple effect on 
the rest of you know their sphere of people and what if they send one person and then what if that one person sends one person and so what ended up happening for me is i say it's a business it's really a ministry and the lord showed me that but with coaching over the years uh since 2016 it's been like i mean i kid you not it's been like 75 percent referrals simply not even like uh, I've tried, I've tried all the things that you think you need to do to grow a business. Those didn't really work for me. What worked for me is actually just focusing on the people in front of me and doing the best I could with what I had. And that was focusing on those people that are in front of me that are giving me their time, energy, and attention. You know, I didn't need to prove something. And I think, um, I'll go into this later, but we can do things that are unnatural when we put unnecessary pressure on ourselves. And that's why I say, you know, as part of my reflection, like knowing your lane is so important. I would say more than knowing your lane, it's like practicing driving and realizing like what lane is best for you. You know, it's not about you wake up one day and you know, it's about getting up and driving and figuring it out along the way. And I think if you're slower, thoughtful, um, leaving opportunity for some reflection, you're able to kind of be redirected as needed. And for me, you know, I used to beat myself up. Oh, I'm, I need to do more. I, I, this isn't working. I need to fix that. Try this, try that. I ended up spending a lot of money on things that were just not me. And uh, it took me months and months to figure that out. But you know, I learned and now I know very clearly what is and isn't me. And so it's just been so helpful as I've kind of thought about, well, how do all of these lessons apply to the future the rest of my life? It's like, wow, when you get more clarity around your guidelines, your boundaries, the lane that you drive, you can go a whole lot faster just because you know that's the lane that you're in. Um, versus thinking you got to jump over this lane so you can try and get ahead there, jump over there, and then try and get ahead there. It's like, no, it's actually just stay focused on the lane that you're in. Um, once you discover that that is a lane that's for you, and man, ride that thing out and trust the process. And that's been so helpful for me is, is realizing that. So I hope that that helps somebody who's thinking about maybe just a time in their life where or even now a time in their life where they're recognizing, maybe I'm just like kind of going against the grain here and things aren't working. I would say, are you doing something that's unnatural because of unnecessary pressure? Um, yeah, I wanted to, I've got another thought here. I've got so many thoughts here. Another thought, and this is just a bit off the cuff here. Um, not that the rest wasn't, but this, this seems like more of a tangent. Um, Functional versus emotional work. Yeah, so this has been really helpful to me. I actually paid like five grand for this. This was an incredibly expensive lesson. But um, I realized I realized about uh, oh, a little over halfway through, I guess, that a lot of the work I was doing, I didn't have words for it, but it was, it was less functional. It was like, we're not doing resumes and wheels of life. Like, I hate that stuff. Um, 
we're doing fun fact actually when i left my last job in 2015 last job meaning like salary all of that uh I told myself, I was like, I never want to have a resume again. I never want to have to have a resume again. And so I kind of led, that was my intention that I set out to, to work towards. Um, I literally hate resumes, but anyway, um, functional versus emotional work. I had to get back on track here. I realized that, uh, that what I was doing, I didn't have words to describe. Like it was so much easier for somebody to describe Hey, if you want six a six pack in six weeks, then you you know sign up for my program and blah blah blah. And I was like, yeah, we don't do that. Um, <laughs> and then also like I wasn't selling happiness. Like, like for whatever reason, I was like, just the that doesn't that's not it. Like whatever we're doing, that's not we're not selling happiness or peace. Like we don't sell that. Like that's free, you know. And um, yeah, I just always had such a difficult time with any of that language and the stuff that I saw online. So it really helped me to get the language that I needed to realize that what I do is like 30% functional because we're very action oriented. I'm such an activator. I'm like, I cannot leave this conversation until you have something you're doing. You know, like I, like that's just who I am, but it was like 30% functional and like 70% more spiritual emotional. And some, some conversations are more 60, 40, you know, where we're 60 talking about practicals, relationship, hard conversations, 40 emotional, spiritual, mental, but just having that separation between functional and then the spiritual, emotional, mental, having that separation, that language gave me so much encouragement. I was so empowered because I was like, Oh, I'm not crazy. Like this is, this is what we do. It's just hard to describe. And so I'd say one of the reflections there for me is like, it's so empowering to have the language that brings clarity to how you do something. And it's okay if you don't have it, but sometimes we're like looking for all of these answers about like, how do I explain myself? How do I show this? How do I do that? It's like, Actually, it's not about everybody else. It's just about you knowing for yourself with the language that you need, how to describe something clearly. So you have the lines drawn in your head. And, um, and for me, you know, I do that for other people, but it was very hard for me to find those people to do that for me. So I've found that it's very helpful to read books for that reason to, I, and you know, one case I hired somebody to help me out. Um, I found this very helpful to uh, listen to podcasts or watch videos and all of that. But I also found more than anything, it's helpful to just spend time with the Lord and go, Lord, what am I missing here? Like, I'm inundated with all this information that's out there, but I know I'm missing something and I can't get it from, uh, I not I can't, I'm choosing to not go seek it out from all of these different resources and people because they have their own language and they might not know the language I speak. So you know my language, you know what language I speak, and you speak to me in a way that I understand. Can you help me? And so the Lord, like really building that relationship with him and learning to lean on him and have him speak into your life in that way in a language you understand is very, very helpful. 
And sometimes you might not hear it in the moment, but it might come up later that day, for example, in a conversation, it might come up naturally. And so, you know, just asking that question, right? Asking that question, Lord, you speak to me in a way that I understand. Can you help me? Can you speak to me in the way that I understand for this thing that I'm missing? I don't have language to describe. It can be incredibly empowering. So I would just say that's a reflection for me that's been um, very, very helpful. Um, a few mistakes. I think this will be a good one to just talk about some mistakes that I've made. Um, being thoughtful about this, I want to pick and choose wisely. The first one that comes to me is thinking that I didn't have what I need. So there's a fine line between, you know, getting educated, getting resources and doing your due diligence and, and doing your part versus going out and trying to like overdo it because you don't have confidence that not only you can do it, but that God will guide you through it. Like the most empowering conversations I had, I remember when I first started coaching and like, I don't know if this makes sense for anybody who's listening. If you don't have any context, that's okay. But, um, you know, for me, like I spent hours and hours and hours and hours and hours on the phone for free, just having one-on-one -on -one conversations. I remember I had to like pick out people and be like, Hey, I'm doing free coaching calls. Do you want one? You know, like, and <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but I was so committed to figuring it out. And that is the best way is to do for me. That's the best way is to do. But even without having all of the knowledge and understanding during that time, God showed up in such incredibly powerful ways. I was learning to listen to Holy Spirit because I didn't have all the frameworks and tools and everything else that everybody else had. Because unlike a lot of people, I didn't go get a life coaching certification. I had like a, um, what's called life plan. I, I received a life plan. I went and got a certification for life plan. And that was kind of what sparked my interest in the idea that I could help people and get paid for a living. But, um, I was not using that. I was not using those tools and resources. If I did, it was a specified time schedule. And I did life plans in the beginning. Um, it was amazing. It's an amazing tool. It's an amazing framework. And, uh, but you know, by and large, I was not using the, the tools for these one-on-one -on -one coaching calls that I was doing, what I was doing is I was asking people at the beginning of the call, I was saying, what would you like to, uh, talk about, you know, what would you like to accomplish? And I would help them get clear about what they wanted to accomplish. And then by the end, there would be three lessons learned and an action item or two. And everything in between was just trying to figure out how to get them to what they wanted to accomplish. And because I didn't have all the knowledge, understanding, et cetera, et cetera, I was literally just learning to hear the voice of God. And I was learning, I was like seeing God was unlocking the prophetic in me. He was unlocking words of wisdom, words of knowledge. So I would get, I would get understanding about what had happened in people's lives without them telling me. 
and then I would present it in the form of questions and they would have these like groundbreaking um, moments of revelation and realization and and like I didn't have all of the years uh, hours thousands and thousands of hours on the phone all of the books I've read now all of the frameworks I've gone through developed myself or learned about from somebody else like I didn't have all of that at the time but I have what I needed and so again I said there's a fine line between getting educated resourced up and just not being confident and trying to overdo it well I think it's important to recognize that recognize that when you're doing anything for the first time when you're starting you know you do need to put some limitations around like what getting educated and resourced up looks like, you know, read up looks like, because at some point you do have to rely on God a little bit. You know, it's like, there's no way that you can become the world's expert overnight. And so in order to do what you're trying to do, you need to practice and you might not know everything before you enter into every situation. So for me, it was very helpful to realize, wow, okay, you know, I can, I can rely on God and have confidence in that as my foundation that he's made me who I am. And back to what I was saying at the very beginning, I've been doing this my whole life. And what I mean by that is it's just a part of my design. People have come to me with questions navigating hard things in their life, how to approach relationships and conversations and all of that stuff. Like they've come to me for that for as long as I can remember. I've enjoyed helping people with that kind of stuff for as long as I can remember. And God's just grown the number of different tools in the tool belt and the different things that I can talk about through life experiences or the authority he's given me. By the way, those are two different things life experiences is credibility, but the authority that God gives somebody, that's a totally different thing. And somebody doesn't need to have life experience in order to carry godly authority. However, it's very helpful to have life experience and credibility. So that kind of um, recognition, you know, God is my foundation that, and that I can rely on him live. Man, I can't tell you how many times some of the most impactful conversations that I've had in a coaching dynamic and relationships. I can't tell you how many times um, that has actually been the biggest breakthrough is, is through just leaving space for God to speak versus something that I could create or do or have somebody else do. So that's been very powerful. Um, I do want to talk very quickly about the difference between counseling, coaching, consulting, because I think it's confusing for a lot of people. And just as it relates to like the idea of, well, what is life coaching with Holy Spirit leading anyway? These are just my personal reflections. I had no idea what life coaching was in general. I don't know if I still have an idea of what life coaching is in general, because the whole term of being a coach just rubs me the wrong way. But what one thing that I know, you know, I do is I'll have like a coaching moment where it's just kind of asking some questions, but I'm really an activator. Like that's, that's ultimately what I'm doing is just activating. And I think the difference between counseling, coaching, and consulting, if you think about it plain and simple, and this is really helpful for people is counseling is a lot more backward looking and clinical. Uh, they're professional counselors who have, um, you know, their degrees in this. And, uh, 
and so it's more medical in that sense. Um, the the coach is uh, well. I'll come to the coach last, and then we'll go to the other side. Consulting. So again, counseling, coaching in the middle, consulting on the other side. Consulting is very much like um, you're not going. You can go to school and get a degree in consulting and and all of that. I'm sure there's a specific degree for consulting, but a lot of people go to school, get degrees in finance or marketing or poli sci or whatever, and then they become consultants. And I was on a track for that for a minute. Um, but consulting is very much like, okay, here's a problem. Got it. Let me come back to you with a solution. You now go implement it versus coaching, which is kind of in the middle, you know, and, and if consulting's forward looking, if counseling's backward looking, it's coaching's kind of in the middle where there's this backward and forward and there's this um, kind of uh, pause, get to the root and then also like an activation and move forward. And what I've found is people who are stuck and they've been seeing counseling uh, counselors for years, which I've seen, I've talked with a lot of people who've seen counselors for years, but people who are stuck, who've seen counselors, it, they're probably stuck because they've talked their way around the counselors and the counselors are either by law, they're afraid of the legal ramifications of asking a hard question, or they just simply are like not that's not what they do. They just listen. And it's like, there's a place at the time for people listening. That's very important. And I'm somebody who's received, I've been on the receiving end of counseling for years. So I understand the value of it. Um, and at the same time, there's a time for moving forward. So I think in that regard, you know, what is really important to me in the element of coaching that I've found is very difficult to market is, um, you know, people have things they want and then they have things they need. You know, it's like uh, people want to lose weight, but they but they actually need to change their lifestyle. <laughs> and nobody wants to be marketed, change your lifestyle today. Like the people don't want that. They just want to be marketed, lose weight today. You know, like look this way overnight. And um, back to the integrity thing, I just have a really hard time telling anybody something that's just not true. Um so for me, one of the things that's been challenging is like finding people who are hungry enough to want to get to the root. And that's something that we do that is just like for as much earlier, I was talking about the difference between functional versus emotional, spiritual, mental, and how a lot of like the work that I've kind of uh, found myself doing over the years is much more um weighed towards the spiritual, mental, emotional, spiritual, emotional, mental, whatever order you want to call it, um, versus just the functional. And I think in part, that's because many people are struggling with the spiritual, mental, emotional problems that are keeping them back and the physical changes that they need to make are the easy things. That's easy. But this, it's the, uh, it's the other stuff that keeps somebody stuck in patterns. And so for me, um, what the type of coaching that I've found myself doing is, is, uh, is very much led by Holy Spirit because Holy Spirit knows every hair on your head and knows the root of all issues. And so what I've found to be incredibly helpful is to, um, to ask Holy Spirit uh, in the middle of conversations and leave space for that and help really facilitate allowing other people to grow in their confidence and hearing from the, hearing from the Lord and hearing the voice of God. 
that's been an incredibly um, difficult thing to communicate um, as far as like, you know, communicating what you do. Just like life coaching does not, it rubs me in the wrong way. It's not what we do. We don't do the wheels of life stuff. I don't really care for any of that. It's great. It serves a purpose, but, um, but also we're not sitting there, you know, just counseling after counseling after counseling and it's like therapy sessions. You know, there's this unique intersection that, uh, that we found. Now I'd say one of the mistakes that I've made back to that idea of, you know, what mistakes I've made. One of the mistakes that I've made is, um, in two regards, one, letting people kind of sift around and circle around an answer and like really letting them get to that answer and like waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and just letting them kind of like, it's right there. I see it, but they don't. I'm trying to, I'm trying to let them have that discovery, but it's taking forever and not kind of pushing a little bit, you know, earlier on, I was like, man, there's no greater discovery than that, which you can discover yourself. And it was like, well, actually that person needs some help discovering it. And that's why they're here. And so, so allowing people to kind of sit in the mud too long was one mistake. And that's the one regard. And the other regard was maybe kind of like telling them too soon. I think the art of, um, of doing this well, of doing what I'm talking about and coaching well is like navigating the, okay, let's let them get to this point. And then, okay, maybe we need to just like say the thing that somebody needs to hear. And um, so that would be mistake number two is kind of like being on one side or the other side in terms of uh, the discovery process with somebody. But um, I'll leave you with mistake number three. I think the value has been in the process of learning and, and mistake number three, I think is, uh, is putting too much pressure on myself to be perfect. Um, in so many ways, guys, if you'd seen how many, uh, how many times I've re-recorded videos and, um, yeah, just like <laughs> how many things that I've, I've edited and tried to change and blah, 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 blah. It's like, it is just never going to be enough. It's just never going to be enough. Um, and so I had mentioned earlier, kind of putting some boundaries on, uh, I mentioned putting some boundaries around your process of learning. I think it's important to kind of put some boundaries around your process of, of practicing and just be like, you know what, this is the best that this is going to be. You know, the audio might not be great here. The video might not be great there. The I might have mumbled my words there. My hair might be crazy because it's crazy all the time. And I just realized out of 33 years of living that I have curly hair and it's not just messy. Anyway, that's a whole nother story. Um, but, but like being putting so much pressure on yourself to be perfect is a, is a recipe for just um, – even if it's not a meltdown, just pain, just like pain and, and unnecessary, uh, unnecessary pain. And I could go on for that for a while. My thoughts about certifications and life coaching. I don't get this question like ever. I, maybe I used to, um, I get it more from people who are interested in coaching and it's a completely natural question. I understand it. Um, 
because I was asking the same question when I was first kind of exploring. And it was like, what certification do I get? That's like, you know what no certification is going to tell you to do? Even if you go and get a graduate degree from Harvard, it's not going to require you to live a changed life. It's true. And that's my view is like the best certification you can have is actually living a changed life. Period. Now, are there tools and other things that are really helpful? Absolutely. Our certifications great. They have their place. And do you need a certification to start? No, not immediately, not right away. It's not going to be the end of the world. Um, you need an understanding, I think, more importantly, of where's your area of relative expertise. And so that's something that I've learned and I've had to learn through practicing. You know, what is it that's my lane? Things that we've talked about. Um, this might be helpful for people who are thinking about scaling a business. Uh, the real solution for scaling your business is don't do what's unnatural to you. That's the real solution. Don't do what's unnatural to you. Like, I don't know why this is so hard to figure out. But, uh, well, I do know why. It's because we have so much junk in our minds from what we've taken in from the world that is not of God and not aligned with how God sees us in our original design. That's another story. But it's very difficult to understand. It's very difficult to discern what's natural to you if you don't know who you are. The very first event that I did that I hosted um, was called Welcome to Yourself. And what I thought I was doing was hosting a um, Angela, good to see you. What I thought I was doing was I thought I was hosting um, an event for other people to learn who they are. But what I really realized later <laughs> was that I was doing an event for me to learn who I am. And, um, and you know, that's such an important part of the process, right, is recognizing that we're just we're discovering who we are. Um, honestly, over and over again. But what's cool is, is that when you have a healthy process of self-discovery, it always leads you to discover more about God because we're made in God's image. And that's not something I included, but it's a lesson learned for me is that self-discovery was a lot of what we're helping people do, understanding their identity, God-given identity, which practical ways, by the way, a lot of people don't know what that means. They hear it in church. They don't know what it means. God-given identity means um, it's like how... God sees you in his original design for who you are. So identity for real life, how you see yourself, how others see you, how God sees you. And the real answer that you have, not just the fake words, um, polished version. It's like, what's the raw answer? God sees you. And you might actually not know until you start looking at patterns of behaviors in your life, the way you talk about yourself. Uh, the way you talk about others, the way you talk about God. So for me, as I've been on that journey of discovery, I've been learning a lot more about who God is. And, um, and as a result, I've learned a lot more about who I am. And he's been very kind for me, but uh, with me. But I would say one of the things is I've had this like years, not years ago, months, but um, 
starting years ago, I had this desire, this dream. I was like, you know, I really want to scale this thing. And remember earlier, I was talking about that conversation I was having with God where he said, Hey, TJ, what if you didn't do, uh, what if you didn't reach a million? What if you just reached one? And I was like, I don't know about that. That kind of goes against my pride. <laughs> and he was like, would you be content with just one? I was like, well, God, I don't know. And then it, anyway, the answer to make that long story short is yes, I ended up becoming content with that. However, what, uh, what I had to learn in the process is that um, there is a balance of being content while still going after growth. And so I was navigating that and I was like, Lord, I want to go after growth because I'm doing this for you. So I was thinking, how do I scale? How do I grow? How do I make this thing a machine? How do I, and I would use those words, like, how do I make this a machine? Because I was like, the more people we can help. And what ended up happening is I was just doing things that seemed unnatural for me. I was out of my lane and I was like, you know what? I'm not really, I'm not, I've never been the guy who shows up at a party and I'm like, announcement, I'm here. You know, I've always been the guy who's like, first of all, I don't like parties. Um, <laughs> I like small group gatherings. And then the, the second is if I was ever at a party or a gathering, I'm normally the guy having the one-on-one -on -one conversation somewhere going really deep. And I'm like, well, that's me. And that's very hard to convey to people publicly. So maybe I don't need to, and maybe uh, that's unnatural for me. And so I've just been learning how to, um, how to, and I and I say the real solution for scaling is to don't is to not do anything unnatural, because the the goal isn't always scaling, and that's what I mean. Um, so how to achieve the real goal you know, achieve the real goal for you. Um, the real goal is not what is not always what you think it is. It's, it's always, but it's always going to be aligned with who you're made to be. And so that's something that's been helpful for me. Um, if I do it all over again, I'd remove unnecessary financial pressure. And what I wrote down is there's something to be said for burning the boat so you can take over the Island, but there's also something to be said for keeping food in your fridge and not worrying about it. And it's like, for me, you know, I found myself in a situation years ago where I had left my job. I was financially fine, got myself into a terrible situation financially, though, as I was learning to hear the voice of God and trading options, and this whole thing. And I ended up um, getting tormented. I was not fully submitted to God, had this spiritual confusion, had a lack of accountability, irresponsibility things that were not dealt with in my life started showing up. I ended up going broke. And then I ended up starting um, coaching off of a gift, actually. I started to pursue it, but then um, a friend of mine gave me 15 grand. He said, I've been praying. I'm going to give you 15 grand. I just, I know everything that happened, but like, I just really believe God wants to do this, uh, do something in your life. I don't know what's next, but, um, you know, I believe in you. And I was like, wow. So that had never happened to me before. And um, I essentially had that lifeline of hope. It was not about the money. It was about the hope and belief in me. And so I, that's when I decided to start speaking and, and coaching more like a, a real 
this is the shift from who I was to who I am and what I'm doing professionally. That was a big deal for me. Faced a lot, a lot of fear, a lot of anxiousness, a lot of stuff as I kind of, uh, and there was spiritual warfare there as I was stepping into this. So, um, as I went through the years though, I would, I would grow in revenue, but I would also grow in the financial pressure I put on myself because I would reinvest a lot into more growth. And like I said, back to the idea of don't do something that's unnatural for you. Like for me, it was just the ways in which I was reinvesting into more growth. Like I didn't need to do, I didn't need to do that. Um, and it put unnecessary financial pressure on uh, myself. And then what ended up happening is when I got married, it put unnecessary financial pressure on my wife as well. And um, God's so incredibly faithful, though. God is so incredibly faithful. Like something that I that I wanted to um, to mention is that uh, you know there's a time talking about the financial pressure. I'd mentioned this in the past, but um, God literally showed up speaking to somebody. They reached out to me and said they wanted to take care of all of our personal debt tens of thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars they paid in gift. And, um, and it's just incredible. I mean, like what in the world? The Lord is so faithful guys. He's so faithful and in wisdom, you don't have to put financial pressure on yourself. You don't have to do it. So that's something that I would change and I'll, say I'll, I'd change it. God's grace is an opportunity to change. And so I've made changes, but, um, but his grace was still sufficient. And he was like, TJ, I'm so proud of you. And I'm going to show you, I'm proud of you by stepping in and doing something supernatural. Um, having somebody take care of all that debt for you, you know, like that's incredible. I think it was just acknowledged. I, I felt acknowledged by God. I was like, Lord, thank you. You know, because God's seen, like people want to make judgments and all these things, but God's seen. He's seen what I've done in private, um, good, bad, anything in between. He's seen my heart. He knows me. He knows every hair on my head, you know, and he knows our intentions. He knows our heart. He measures our heart. And um, man, I was just like blown away how faithful he is. And I'm continuing to, to be blown away at how faithful he is. So, um, I would say that though, if I, if I do it all over again, I just maybe would remove some of that financial pressure just so you don't, uh, have to do something that feels unnatural, seems unnatural. Um, and I say have to, I mean, you end up making a choice where you won't do it, but then there's still that pressure and it can really drain you emotionally, even if you're able to get through it otherwise. Um, Another thing, and I just wanted to read this comment very quickly. Something you said about the desires in our heart are from God. I've been thinking that um, in what I want to do and that it isn't what God wants me to do. I need to keep waiting to see what he gives me. I just heard God tell me that the desires that he's placed in my heart are there because um those are there for me to accept the invitation to partner with him in those things to give beauty to the world. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it's so powerful. And guys, we love seeing comments and just understanding what's, you know, 
helpful for you and what's resonating also it helps other people um maybe gives language like i was saying earlier maybe gives them language but i would say this when it comes to desires in your heart recognize that like you can have really unhealthy desires um, i would submit your desires to god ask him to purify your desires ask him to give you a new and pure heart and when he does that's when like as you are questioning your desires i think that's a good signal of something healthy you know, it's like, God, is this of you or is this of me? Right. And, um, and I think even just presenting that question is a really positive thing. It's a really helpful thing. So, um, I appreciate you sharing that. I think somebody else might need to hear that, but, uh, but it's always good to even bring those to God and be like, God, I've got these desires in me. Like, is this okay? Um, and he, you know what? He will show you. I promise you that. Um, calling versus job and why I'm actually not interested in putting pressure on a calling to make all the money financially. So this was interesting. I used to have a job. Then I found a calling and a vocation where I make money doing that calling. And then it became clear to me. I was like, I actually don't like the pressure of making money in something that I'm going to do anyway, all the time. Like I'm, as long as I'm breathing, and have the opportunity to, I will find a way to do what I'm doing in any capacity. I mean, like whether it's a live stream, whether it's I'm walking on the street, whether I'm at the coffee shop and the person behind the counter has something going on in their life. And I perceive that, you know, God gives me some insight and I want to speak into that. If they give me that permission in that moment, you know, or whether it's on a coaching call, whatever it is, like I'm doing this, as long as I am alive. And sometimes it's incredibly frustrating when you are, and this is somebody, somebody needs to hear this. It's incredibly frustrating when it's your calling and you start to feel totally underappreciated because you understand there's no price for the calling, but yet you have practical needs. So what I've kind of discovered on my journey is that it's healthy. And by the way, it's also biblical to have multiple streams of income because it allows you to um, take some of the pressure off of something that you are going to do naturally that you don't need to um, put any kind of like money attachments to. If money comes from it, amazing. Also, if you're really led by God to do it, you're going to do it whether money comes from it or not. So, um, and what's funny is, you know, God's actually like really shown me that I, for a while, I was like, oh, do I need to, if people want to give, uh, because people had, had given it several points in time without ever signing up for coaching. And I was like, oh, do I need to do this or do that? And now, like God showed me, he was like, TJ, hold on a second. This isn't about that. This isn't about having a payment link, whether they're somebody who's a client or a giving link, whether they're not a client and they want to give to whatever it is that, you know, that is happening that they perceive in their spirit and they hear from me, God, uh, he's like, this is about you doing what I ask you to do, regardless of any of those things. It's just about you doing what I ask you to do. And I think every person that I've ever worked with, I think, I think they know this. The people that I work with who actually pay 
for service. I think they are fully aware. I'm very confident the ones I've worked with for a while are know this. You guys know who you are. That everything that they poured into financially, obviously they're pouring into it financially for some benefit in their life. But that has waterfalled and rippled into other people's lives and allowed and enabled us to do this for other people. In other words, it's almost like they're pouring in an investment and that's uh, created opportunity for me to keep doing what I'm doing. And the people who have given money and never signed up for any kind of coaching in a formal capacity know that what they're, they're giving has um, been contributing towards enabling this to keep going and whatever that looks like, you know, and that may, the expression might change, but the intention doesn't and the growth doesn't. And, and that's what I'm really committed to is just the growth, you know, not perfection. And I'm hopeful that everybody, um, you know who you are, if I'm talking right now, understands that. And at the same time, it's not my job for them to understand that. You know, I think by my actions, my words, um, people ought to see that. And my heart, you know, if you perceive, not everybody does. But regardless of all that, it's about what God asked me to do and understanding that I will make mistakes. But God's asking me and I'm saying I'm available. So, Lord, okay. You know, and for me, being able to look at this whole thing and go, how do I just take pressure off of, off of it so that I can do whatever, whatever it is. And one of the things has been really helpful is recognizing, Hey, you just, you know, and the Lord started speaking this to me last year. It's like, Hey, why don't you just take some pressure off of this financial? Like this doesn't have to be, um, the, the main source, you know, your, your vocation, your calling, like it doesn't have to be the only thing that that brings in money. And um, it's incredible once you started looking at it from that perspective very differently. And there's been a lot of doors that opened ever since then. A lot of doors that I, some doors I was surprised opened. And I'm like, okay, Lord, you know, if that's what you want me to do, I trust you. And he's shown up in really powerful ways. Um, whether people, you know, giving money randomly, um, as we've kind of taken pressure off of growing this and just kind of let it be more organic, natural, not putting a ton of pressure on anything or changing, uh, perception the way I'm perceiving, even just how I make money and what I think about and and he's taken me back to those times in my past where he said, "Hey TJ, what did you do naturally? Why did I have you here? What were you doing there? What did I teach you there?" And he started to show me all these things, and I really started to see that, like as I've loosened my grip on this, how much more opportunity there is um, in other things he wants to show me. So that's been really neat, but that's been a lesson learned for me. Um. And I see Adelaide saying, yes, I agree. Thank you, Adelaide. You are awesome. Um, last couple of things. Testimonials. Man, guys, I've tried this like 
this is again just my reflections from the last however many years, right? But testimonials, like there's such an emphasis on testimonials. I love a good testimony. All the ways I've found to do testimonies, like the 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 business way or whatever whatever people do, like no, they don't work for me. What I've resided in is the best testimony is a referral. Somebody living a changed life, somebody else noticing it, somebody saying, what in the world happened? <laughs> it's like, that's the best testimony you can get. Like, I was so trying to do the whole, like, I'm not good at sharing, you know, back to out of my lane again, right? I wasn't in my lane. I'm not good at sharing. I'm not good at communicate. I'm not... I'm not an online marketer, guys. Like, I just don't do it. I'm not good at it. I'm not a megaphone person. And uh, and that, I, that may surprise some of you, but I'm not that person. And I would, I would love to promote other people. I actually love doing that. I promote other people's stuff all the time. And to, like, literally, like products, all this stuff, I promote it. I'm not getting paid for it. When it comes to my own stuff, I'm like, ah, it's not even a false humility thing. It's not a, a imposter syndrome thing. It's it's actually, I don't like doing it. Like to the point where, and we, we're talking about now, but it's like, I don't know how to just take take a website and make it like a little landing page, but just like one, two, three links. Like, I don't want to talk about myself. I don't want to do all that stuff. I want to share things that are of value, um, share stories that bring glory to God. Um but I, yeah, again, back to the unnatural stuff. It's like, if it's helpful, great. Um, as so long as it's natural for me and natural for somebody else. And I've tried the whole, I've tried the whole testimony thing and yeah, that didn't work for me. It's just not whatever format that was. It just wasn't, wasn't working for me. So anyway, best testimony is always somebody living a changed life. I found more often than not, people run into problems in any situation in life. People run into problems and their biggest frustrations happen when things aren't going within the time that they want it to happen. That's the issue. So it's not about like, should I try it this way, do it that way, this thing, that thing. It's actually, it's about, are you just patient enough to allow time and your effort during that time and God's work when you're not working, remember that, to bring things to its full fruition? That's the question. That's the real question. So for me, as it relates to the testimony thing, the reason I bring that up is because you got to have time for people to live changed lives. It's really important. Um, and the frustration, I think, came when I was like, earlier on in coaching, I was like, gosh, you know, how do I tell people about this? It's like, oh, just don't put, pre don't put pressure on it. Last thing I'll say, and this is just a practical, um, this is a practical maybe tip for anybody. Any seat, doesn't matter whether you're here listening about the whole reflections on life coaching or not. You just showed up. Um, very quickly, if you did, uh, if you are watching, appreciate if you guys hit subscribe, like, share, comment, um, just help with some engagement. It gives people, well, one, when you subscribe, it lets you know when we're doing these live streams. Um, 
And, uh, and two, when you have engagement, that also helps other people know what's available to them. So I hope that people are able to uh, just listen, receive freely. Um, last thing I'll say, just last reflection. I mean, this is not a comprehensive list, obviously, but I, my voice is about to go and uh, I have a workout here soon, so I do need to end. Um, I would just say don't change what motivates you. Instead, work with what motivates you. Don't change what motivates you, okay? Work with what motivates you. A lot of people think they need to change things about themselves in order to accomplish their goals and all that. It's like if you're externally motivated, meaning when you hold yourself to account, uh, hold yourself accountable to other people, you get things done, don't work against that. Don't think you got changed to become somebody that has to figure out how to become internally motivated in order to accomplish their goal. No, do what works for you. And if you know what, if God wants to help you evolve and grow so that you can become an internally motivated person, great. And if not, stay externally motivated and get yourself accountable to some people. For me, I think what helped me is realizing like, oh, if I want to live a changed life, I need to be accountable to some people who can help me do that. And so the practicals for me were, you know, counseling, dietitians, personal trainers, all of those things. Like I actually had to learn from people and spend years doing it. That's a harder thing back to the, you know, time and the effort that takes during that time. It's like, I couldn't just go to a four day thing and come out knowing what I know about my body movement wise and actually having implemented it and trial and error, different things and trying different meal plans and understanding through blood tests, what my body does, how it responds, um, over the course of years, uh, navigating grief and actually processing that, having quiet moments with the Lord, hearing his voice clearly, being confused, trying to learn, discern. You can't do that through a four-day thing or like a six-month certification, any of those things, right? Like you got to actually do whatever it takes to, to live that changed life. For me, that was the goal. And it's like, then you got to sign up to do those things, whatever those things are. And for me, I wasn't really interested in doing it for myself, but I knew I would be interested if I was doing it for somebody else. And what that means is I was like, well, I got people who, who, that I want to speak with over the phone with integrity. So I, I want to actually kind of walk through these things myself. I want to actually, um, go through this process and, I sincerely want to speak from a place of credibility. Even if God's given me authority in something, I still want to have some credibility there where I can say, okay, this is, this is my understanding. I don't need to be the expert in everything, but I want relative expertise in these things. And over the course of time, what it's actually done is it's presented me with uh, creative solutions to things that people might not be thinking. So as I've gone through the process, uh, that a lot of people that I'm working with go through, I realize through talking with so many people, different perspectives, different challenges, and through going through my own journey, I realized, oh, actually, wait a second. A lot of these things are resolved. If you can like check off this one important thing, you have a spirit, soul, and body, and your body 
people don't understand how your body works or how their body works and they don't understand what dysfunction even looks like because it's so normal so if you just check off these three things these four things these six things these seven things people are able to discern is this a spiritual thing or is this a physical world thing yes they're connected but like so many people are living in dysfunction, they're confusing all of the spiritual stuff with just simply not drinking water. They're confusing all of this um, physical stuff with you know, not understanding what they're consuming in their mind. And it's like, oh, okay, once I was able to kind of see these things through going through that process myself, I was able to see, wow, okay, I don't have to, I don't have to try and reinvent the wheel here. This is really clear. And I was able to do that through um, sticking with what works for me and learning in that process that I have to do what works for me. And so that's my last point, tip, closing thought around it is don't change what motivates you. Don't, don't change what works for you. Just try and align it um, with you know, God's thoughts around that thing. So I'm not saying, for example, if like, I'm going extreme here, but if like getting high and working is what works for you, okay, maybe there's a uh, suggested way of making some adjustments there rather than um, doing that. Maybe God has a different path that can help you, but take the principles of like, hmm, when I'm in this environment, when these things are present, it allows me to work more. So don't change that. Work with what works for you. And, um, and, and seek God and ask for him to speak into the area of your life that you might want to be growing, accomplishing that thing, whatever it might be for me it was, you know, I want to become a life coach. I want to grow a business and what it is turns out it's a ministry. And what does that look like? And all of these things, I had to do what works for me. And the same is true right now. I mean, literally in a few minutes, I'm about to go do what works for me, which is have some accountability when I'm training because Lord knows I need accountability if I'm going to actually do anything extremely productive uh, for my body at this stage where I'm at right now, just with everything that I've been navigating and all of that. I'm like, this is what has been very helpful and healthy for me over the course of several years now. This is what works for me if I needed to make adjustments to figure out how to um, continue having the same kinds of, uh, whether it's results or outcomes, uh, you know, then I would, then I would uh, with a different process, then I would just take what I've learned and having somebody who holds me accountable and knows what they're doing, can speak into my life and, you know, my body and, and help me understand how to, how to grow. I would find those same kind of principles and say, okay, like, Let's just say I don't have access to that anymore. Then what What would I change? Well, I know these things worked for me in the past. Seeing somebody, a schedule twice a week, this time, this time of day works great for me. You know, this this is why. Take those principles, take those things that you notice um, help. They help you and just apply them. And as you do that over and over and over again in your life, you'll start to see that there's a lot of um, – there's a lot of overlap in terms of what works for you. And, uh, and I think focusing on what works for you is, is important versus what doesn't work for you. I think that can send you down the wrong path. 
a lot of times make you feel powerless. So anyway, guys, thanks so much for being here. Um, just grateful that, uh, that you guys are sharing what's coming to your mind and that you're listening and giving me time. Uh, I hope that the things that I shared today were helpful. If they were, feel free to share with somebody and you guys have a great rest of your day.